Hello everyone, welcome to episode 6 of the Hawkins Do Coffee podcast. My name is Lauren. And my name is Emily, and in this podcast we talk about all things Stranger Things. So last week we spoke about the party, so the kids of the Stranger Things world, Mike, Lucas, Dustin, Will, Elle and Max. But today we are combining talking about the teens of the Stranger Things world and also some of our key and favourite adults of the Stranger Things world as well. These originally were going to be two separate podcasts but we have combined them together. We think it works putting it both together to be honest. Yeah especially because up like in season three Steve is an adult um like Jonathan and Nancy are coming up to that and yeah, so it's it's good to kind of yeah. and their storylines in a sense. I know we didn't see it too much with say like Steve, Robin, and all that, but their storylines kind of combine a lot. I think especially like Jonathan, Nancy, and that edge yeah. of it. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. So we're combining them and talking about them in this episode, and we have paired each paired them off in a sense. We we've put them in pairings that would make sense to talk about at the same time. So. Shall we start, first of all then, with... Let's start with a wheeler. Shall we start with a wheeler? Let's start with a wheeler. Because, I mean, last week the wheeler was last, so... We'll mix it up. So let's start with a bit of Nancy Wheeler. So, what do we know about her? We know that at the start of the season, um, so in season one, she was 16 years old, and I believe season three she's coming up to 18. Yeah, she's starting her senior year. So, like Mike, obviously, because they're related, we know that she lives with her mum, her dad, Mike in this case, instead of Nancy, so her younger brother, and then an even younger sister, um, Holly Wheeler. They're described as the nuclear family, and that's something with back in season one, so everyone kind of does what's expected of them. On the surface, they look like this perfect household I think we touched on that very briefly actually last week when we were talking about Mike and Will and how their homes kind of reflect really the personality and that kind of thing yeah I think that Nancy is an interesting one because being the oldest child she has obviously been around her parents the longest and Mm -hmm. I think that is some resentment of that I mean, we have that really lovely moment in season three where her and Karen really bond and they have that chat, which is really nice. Um, But she does have that sort of resentment of her mum is just in a marriage where she's not particularly happy and her dad is just not involved at all. But these appearances are kept up and she's expected to have these, like keep up these appearances and behave a certain way and be a certain way and because that's sort of what her family is centered around it's not a it's not not a loving family because Karen and Ted do love them but it's just not as involved personally it's more of like an appearance type of thing yeah we will obviously talk about this when we talk about say Joyce and Karen a little bit but you brought up yesterday actually when we were looking into it about the idea that Karen brings around this food parcel essentially for Joyce yeah. when Will's gone missing and it's like the idea of that this is I think I said that it almost seems almost like what it's expected it's kind of like it's it's fake it's it's a yeah. story a movie 
Joyce is like, I just want to find my kid. Like, I need people to listen to me about other things. The second Joyce shows a sign of when she starts talking to Holly and she says, did you see something? Karen's like, let's, we'll go now. And I know that she's sort of, Joyce was probably acting a bit erratic, but if she really wanted to be there for her to talk to, she would have spoke to her about that. It's more like taking the cast for a while and was like, I've done my good deed. Yeah, it's almost like a distraction rather than actually, I realise you're very upset, so I'm going to distract you with food. Yeah, it it is interesting. I think that Nancy is meant to, to do that as well. Um, Mm. uh, you sort of see that when they go to Barb's parents for dinner in fact that whole if we bring Steve into this that that whole relationship with Steve actually it's and even though they kind of worked they work in a very short term sense so that you could you can tell that if that carried on it would go down the Karen and Ted route yeah And that sounds horrible because I love Steve as a character, but you can tell that Steve is almost like that expected character for her to be in. I think if it was any other movie or any other TV show, of course, he would be like the hero come to rescue her from her family, that kind of character. So it's really nice to see actually that trope twisted with Jonathan. Yeah. Like, you know, Steve, sort of his dad is successful He's expected to do this, do this, do this, get a job straight away and work and provide. And Steve and Jonathan are just the completely opposite people. Um, And I do think that, yeah, that's right. And I think Nancy has her realisation of, I don't want to be put in a position that my mum is put in. She's with him because she, you know, he gives her money. And not that that's why Karen is, is there, but like it, it, it's sort of become this Karen wouldn't get a divorce no. because of like appearances sake mm, exactly I think I just feel like I'm really that... trashing Karen Wheeler but I really like Karen I think she's a really good and like complex character but I think that Nancy is aware of the issues that her mum and dad have yeah and I think that moment comes for her um, we're just bringing in all the adults and all the teens here, all in one moment. We're talking. See, about it, it 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 combines. It's good. Yeah, but when um, they go, her and Jonathan go and see Murray, and you get that moment of where she's like, "No, I love Steve." It's like, "Oh yeah, we love, we like Steve, but we don't love him." And is I think that's that flip. That, well, very obviously that flip for her because we see what happens <laughs> a few hours later. But it's that very much oh moment which i think we see a bit of leap towards the end of season one um when we really see her bond with jonathan and that kind of will they won't they oh actually no they're not right now kind of thing i kind of like that though yeah because i think she needed time to think about things yeah i actually really liked that she didn't end up with him at the end of season one because i think everyone expected it to happen so when it suddenly was like oh steve's there it was that moment of oh okay but i'm not mad no i like i did think that was good i also think that they obviously there's a discussion dustin says about how nancy used to be cool and then she's not anymore and like i think she goes from 
I think there's sort of two reasons to that. The one is that she stops sort of hanging out with them because it's not what she's supposed to do and she wants to hang out with the right people and her siblings are not necessarily, you know, they're younger than her and they're doing things that she doesn't want to do and that kind of thing. But also she's so adamant of like wanting to get out that I wonder if subconsciously it was a sort of pulling away from them so that when she goes to college, there's less of like missing them. I never thought of it that way before, actually. Like, creating some kind of distance of, like, I need to get out of this house, and the second I can do that, I'm going to do that sort of thing. And Yeah, yeah that does make sense. I, I, yeah, I, I generally never thought of it that way. I always saw it as more of a case of... It was still that appearances sense thing. Yeah. But it was more the idea of that I have to be this kind of person. Because, I mean, she's described very much as, like, perfect, isn't she? She's very, like, oh, she's... Yeah. Nancy, she's prim and proper, and I think Robin says something along those lines in season three, as well. And it was only when Rob, um, not Robin, sorry, when Steve turns around and goes, "No, she's not like that, at all." Yeah. So part of me was wondering if it is that as well, purely the idea of that. If I'm playing all these geek games that my brother's playing, that where I'm dressing up as a dwarf, or whatever, then how yeah. am I ever gonna get married and have a relationship? You know that it's not. Yeah. You know. She's not allowing herself to feel that, whereas I think to bring Jonathan into it briefly, on the flip side, because we love comparing the buyers and the wheelers here, um, to bring him into it, he would, I think, willingly drop everything to dress up as, I don't know, Will's wizard sidekick. Yeah, no, yeah, no, genuinely. But I think Nancy would now. Yeah. Um, but like that never sort of changed for Jonathan. He would drop everything for Will. Um, mm. And I think I think it takes Nancy by surprise in season one how worried she is about Mike being there. Yeah, because I think we... I can't remember if it's season two or season one we see this. Doesn't Mike say a comment of something like, Nancy's there? Or yeah. there's that moment where, yeah, he is surprised, definitely. I can't remember what season it is now. I think it is season one, um, but that like Nancy's surprised with how worried she is, and when she says, "But I'm not just going to leave Mike," and Mike is surprised that she's there as well. Whereas for Will, it makes sense that Jonathan would be there because, of course, Jonathan's going to be there. Yeah, exactly. The you know, like is, yeah, is that, I think doesn't Jonathan literally call Will his best friend or something at one point? Yeah. So it, it's not going to be a shock. No, not at all. So speaking of Jonathan, we have paired them up, obviously, because they are in a relationship. And it made I think it made more sense to pair up Nancy and Jonathan right now than Nancy and Steve, because that was not something which was particularly like a long thing. Um, He has an entirely different just situation to Nancy like Nancy's not worried about money she knows she's going to college she knows that it'll be a good college as well um yeah and she you know she's not worried about that like her life is sort of planned and she knows what would be happening whereas Jonathan has to work he has to work to know that his mom will be okay to know that he can bring money in as well because his dad is not there and his dad is also like <laughs> not very nice you know as much as Nancy has an issue with with Ted and he is sort of a bit absent he is there and he is providing for them 
whereas that doesn't happen with Jonathan and he has to step up and provide because he's also an older sibling but their roles as older sibling is entirely different there is also it's interesting with Jonathan and Joyce because he Mm. loves and respects her like there's no resentment towards Joyce Mm. which there is with Nancy and her parents a little bit I mean like said he doesn't like Lonnie but there is that sort of resentment I think that even though there's those moments of like tension between them I think we see that a bit in season one which I mean understandably because we I think we raise this um in a couple of other he thinks his brother's dead so exactly he thinks his brother's dead and his mum's looked to the body and been like no that's not him like you're gonna naturally kind of go you need to think more rational but that's what he's trying to do is that he's trying to like protect her because he doesn't want her to be having her hopes up like he's probably hurting just as much as she is oh yeah you can tell in his face but he knows that she doesn't have someone to go home to to give her the comfort Mm -hmm. that she deserves so he doesn't want her to be hurt anymore so he's trying to be realistic like Mm -hmm. All the kids had their families to go home to to comfort them that their friend had died. Like, Nancy has Steve. Nancy has her parents. Like, Joyce has Jonathan at this point because Will is dead. Yeah. She doesn't have anyone else. Lonnie's been awful. He's literally come back for money. He doesn't care what's happened. No. No. So I think Jonathan has to take on that role of, I need to make sure she's okay. I need to make sure that she's understanding what's happened because if that's your kid, like, you're not going to want to believe that that's what's happened. No. So you really see him as sort of stepping into a sort of support system, parental role there. Mm. Um, And, like, he's not my favourite character of all time, but I do think he doesn't get enough credit for how he had to grow up very fast. I think he is one of those characters that I think is more important than people give him credit for as well. That I think even just restricting it to Will, for example, the way is around him that it's so much in making Will feel accepted, regardless of whether you believe any of the theories that we discussed last time. It's constantly drumming that idea of, you don't have to like other things. I think there's that quote about um, like freaks are the greatest or something like that, or um, nobody normal ever accomplished anything. And which is those constant positive reaffirmations that, yeah. Which yeah. I think is quite good for Will because he's not, he doesn't say to Will like, oh, but you're not. Because he knows that Will's not in the mindset to accept being mm. told what he thinks is wrong. But yeah. he's telling Will that even if you are, that's okay. Which I think yeah. is really important. Um, yeah. And I think that that can... Obviously, we spoke about the potential of Will's sexuality. Mm. That's an important sort of thing to say mm. with, like, but even if you are, that's Okay. And yeah. he's already doing that. Yeah. And, I mean, Jonathan's the same with Nancy. I mean, if we forget the rather questionable taking photos for a window moment. That is 
obviously something that is not... We don't condone that here. No. Please don't take photos of people for a window. Um, but when he's talking with Nancy um, through... Let's think of season one, first of all, when they're walking through the forest. I can't remember the exact context, but he essentially gives her that talk where he says that, fine, you've got this, you have that. And it's really kind of giving her that reality check of, right, OK, yeah, maybe I am thinking slightly wrong. One of my favourite moments in in any season that exists is that debate that big argument after they lose their job Mm. they're both right and they're both wrong and Mm. it's such a good thing because nancy is like you will never understand what it is like to be a woman you were especially if you go but like think back that they're in the 80s in which women were treated i mean even now women are treated not great so you know let alone in the time where they were seen as sort of like the homemaker and that kind of thing Mm. So she's like, you're never going to understand what that's like. They treated me awfully but because I was a woman. They laughed at me. They wouldn't yeah. take me seriously, which is right. But then also his argument of, yes, but I've just lost my job because of something you wanted to do. And that doesn't matter to you because your family has money. My family doesn't. I need a job. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And it's a good, it's a really good sort of like check for both of them. Mm. And I really like that scene. On that note as well, I would just like to fully put out there that I actually liked their storyline in season three. Me too. I feel like not a load of people, similar to like the Max and L thing, there was mixed opinions on it. But I think it was it was good for both their characters and people say they didn't really have a storyline, but actually I really think they did. And I'd like to I'm really interested to see I mean, Jonathan is going to be a complete mystery because we don't have a clue what the buyers plus L are doing at all. Um, But I'm really interested to see what they do with Nancy. Um, Because obviously there have been a few rumours which we will not get into. But if the rumours are true, and if anyone listening to this knows what I am talking about, I am excited. Do you know who else's storyline I loved in season three? Whose storyline did you love in season three? Stephen Robin! Stephen Robin, yes. So we have Steve, who's a character that we've had, like, known for ages, and Robin, who's a new character. Mm-hmm. Should we start with a bit of Steve Harrington first? Let's start with Steve the Hare Harrington. Let's go. Steve the Hare Harrington. I still cannot think of the hair exactly the same way since I saw the bad lip sync of it. And he just, like, pops up to the locker and is like, hair is here. Anyway, right, where do we start? He has gone on quite a journey. We see him in season one. I believe he is 17, or at least coming up to 17. And he's not quite the Steve we know and love today. Let's say. Uh, A little bit of a douchebag. Yeah, he's with the wrong crowd. Tommy and Carol, not the best friends. Um, He's a guy that... Likes Nancy Wheeler, so to speak. Literally his plot in season one, for all like the first couple of episodes of season one, I think that it's really important to mention as well that he was written and was going to be a lot worse. Yes, in the pilot, which I have read, um, 
there are some things that Steve does to Nancy that are particularly nasty. It would not have been redeemable. That would, that would, he was, it was, it would have been awful. Like, yeah, it's a, as much as I, spoilers, do not like Billy. Even Billy didn't do the stuff that he was going to do in season one. So let's just say that. Very glad that they decided to not go down that route. One because I just would have hated it, and I just don't think it was necessary for the. I just don't think it was necessary, and two he has become such an amazing key character and mm. such an amazing character for so many and has had like a good impact on so many other people so throughout it we kind of have that moment for steve in the mid-season one i think when uh, some not nice things about nancy are written on the uh, i want to say multiplex but i don't think that's what it's called uh, you know me the movie um the cinema that's the word, I mean. The cinema. Which is that that he offers to help wipe it down. Um, and I think that's that moment of that. Because I think at that point he's just had that fight with Tommy. And from then he becomes... Really he starts to become more and more that Steve that we like. A Steve that we really like. And, and um, the thing that I think is really interesting about Steve is him and Nancy are quite similar in the sense that they do have appearances to keep up. Like, they want to be in the right crowd. They want to make their parents proud. You know, he's got um, his dad, who he, he always talks about his dad and, like, his dad's uh, opinion of him. But the thing that I think is different with him and Nancy is that Nancy has these appearances to be kept up, but she probably is able to break those appearances a lot easier. Karen and Ted, whilst you know, she would be worried about that thing. We see Karen actually talk with her in season three and say, no, this is okay, like, you do that sort of thing. Whereas Steve sort of breaks those appearances, but then he doesn't get into a college that he wants to go to. He doesn't start working with his dad. And he becomes, like, a little bit lost in what he's doing because... For so much of his life, he had these sort of appearances put on him. I think and I now... saw a really nice post actually on, I think, I can't remember if it was Tumblr or if it was Reddit, um, where it said about Steve is a great character because he's that typical thing, like perfect boy person whose life actually doesn't come easier than in a sense once they've had that redemption. That, for example, yeah, he doesn't get the girl that goes wrong, he doesn't go off to college. Um, he ends up working in an ice cream shop and he still doesn't get the girl. And yeah. But that doesn't affect him in any way that he has that moment, what well, does, but in a more positive sense. It's like, you know, it's, and I think that's what's so great about him on this real surface level. And going back to the Nancy and Steve thing on a surface level again, they are the perfect couple, but only on that one dimensional plane that, Outside of that, they do not work. No, 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 no. they don't. It, it, there has to be a. It, it's just an entirely different sort of dynamic once you start digging deeper into their whole relationship. Do you know what I'd why... actually really like? While this moment is in my mind, season four, I would like them to become friends, Same. like actual friends. Me too. Because I think that will be something really interesting to explore. Because, I mean, we kind of see in season three that 
he still holds her in some high regard anyway, because when Robin is going on this thing about how, oh, she's Miss Prim and Proper, that's definitely not an exact quote, but that kind of attitude. And he's like, no, she's not. She's she's great, essentially. There's no yeah. like bad blood between them. I mean, she cheated on him. She literally cheated on him, and there's like there's no blood, like there's no bad blood there, you know. He's obviously like sad about it, but he helps. And I mean, when he says like I'm not a very good boyfriend, but I'm a damn good babysitter, and like he yeah. he says like go with him, go with Jonathan, like yeah. There's just so much growth with Steve, and like he mm. is a fan favorite, but he's a fan favorite for a reason because there's yeah. just so much development there. And so much like self-realization and like self-acceptance and just being aware of so many things. Like, I don't think a lot of the other characters would have been as chill about Robin as, as he is. No, we spoke about this, I think, literally the last episode as well, about how his reaction is just that she can't sing. So, yeah. like, that's literally yeah. his reaction. Like, and I don't know how many other characters would immediately be that chill. Yeah, and even to be when he's turned down, to even take it back further than that, he doesn't... There's no awkwardness there either. It's kind of... And I think that fits in with the idea of, like, as we said about every he's the character where nothing goes right for him, but it's fine. After Redemption, the, he's literally just like, okay, but sure, we're not going to work as a couple for obvious reasons. But, you know, she's my best friend. And I think that's that's so great to see. Yeah. Well, we said, like, platonic male-female relationships. And I think that's... Something that's it's so nice to see that on a screen. And I'm so glad that Nancy and Steve broke up. Like, I always want... I also want Nancy and Steve to be friends. Like, that mm. platonic relationship. And also the relationship of you don't have to hate someone that you used to be in a relationship with. So speaking of Robin, yeah, I love her. She <laughs> was a new character for season three, which genuinely from her first mm. line, her first yeah. intro, I mm. was in love. I'm going to chime in super quickly because I remember when we were reading the character descriptions, I was a bit worried about Robin as a character initially because she was portrayed yeah. as the alternative girl who doesn't quite fit in. And yeah, yeah. a little bit not like other girlsy, which is yeah, yes. But she actually is pretty cool, um, yeah. and she's obviously Stranger Things is first openly gay character, which I think is really good. Um, and it's also I really like that their first openly gay character is a lesbian rather than like because that is rarer. It's LGBTQ plus representation is rare anyway, but usually it is a boy. Mm. So for the first openly gay character on their screen to be a girl, I love very much um, mm. because that's just not, that's just, it rarely happens, um, mm. which I absolutely love. You know, like we did think she was going to be sort of that like stereotypical alternative and you know she does have some opinions on Nancy and sort of Nancy's appearances and stuff but she is kind of pretty chill and pretty adaptable and pretty sort of so yeah. smart <laughs> aware of things as well and I also think it's quite good because she is really smart and she does have this funny attitude and she is pretty cool 
but I do think internally there are lots of insecurities there. Obviously, like she is dealing with her sexuality, but it's not dealing with it. it she 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 knows that that's her sexuality. She has dealt with it. She's accepting it. She's coming out to people, but there yeah. is always going to still be that insecurity there. Like I think people forget, like it's the eighties and they live in Indiana, um, <laughs> which is just two things that being gay was not a good place to be in. Um, so I I think she's really cool, and I think there's a lot. I mean, there's loads about her character we don't know yet. We don't know much of her backstory, but I think that it's pretty... What I will... I mean, I know we mentioned it before about the whole platonic friendship thing, but I think it's interesting to note that I think this is what the Duffers have said, or what at least um, Maya, so Maya Hawke and Joe Kira said that Robin was initially written as that love interest for Steve. And I think that's something that's important to note, that they've seen those interactions and gone... But are they? And I think that's also a credit to the Duffs in a sense. They are listening to what the actors are saying and they're listening to them saying, I think we should try it this way and stuff like that. And I am... We owe Robin being gay to Maya Hawke 100%. Yeah. And I think, going back to that description again, I think pretty much everyone, as soon as they saw the description for Robin, gets tied up in the events of Hawkins for... Well, there's Steve's girlfriend. <laughs> oh no, it was. It was immediately like she's this love interest, and then loads of people were sort of pushing that on them. And again, that's like appearances. A boy and a girl can't be friends. You must like her. And I don't even know if Steve actually liked her. Liked her. I think he thought he had to. Yeah. Because I mean, the reaction. I mean, it could just been that he's a great person. But I think if you think about it as well, um, Dustin was kind of telling him that oh, you like her, and everyone was kind of saying that you like her, but. Did Steve... Like... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. It was kind of like, maybe I should. That kind of personality coming through again. Because as you said, the on the surface level, Robin and Steve would be perfect. But like, actually would be. Let, let's be honest. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. Take out the upper factors, they would... They would get along fine. That Their personalities, they complement each other so well. And... I'm so glad that it's being translated in friendship because I think that's the thing that people don't realise that male and female friendships do exist. And they also can be just as valid and mm. are just as valid and like you can have like platonic soulmates. Yeah. And I think that's that's a really nice description for them, actually. Speaking of uh, non-platonic soulmates and people <laughs> that definitely have feelings for each other but won't admit it, um, should we talk a little bit about Joyce and Hopper? Jopper. So to speak. If we're talking non-platonic soulmates. <laughs> Fighting for this to be a thing since episode one of season one. We saw, before we get started on them, we saw a really horrible quote from David, I suppose you could say. David Harbour. Um, simply saying that they're the type of couple that can never they want to be together but they never can be together and we had this discussion before season three i think i sent you a text essentially saying maybe they're this kind of thing and then look what happened <laughs> i just feel like david harbour needs to be quiet because he just <laughs> keeps saying things that stress me out and i don't need it um 
Winona Ryder said that they dated in high school and she said that they've got unfinished business. So I am going to listen to our Lord and Saviour, Winona Ryder, um, and not David Harbour's opinion. There's that, you can tell there's that underlying tension. And as much as we like male-female friendships, as we were just talking about the entire time with Steve and Robin and hopefully Steve and Nancy, you can feel it. Oh, you can. Oh, 100%. And Joyce is fighting it from the second she goes to see it. Like, there's an immediate familiarity when she goes in to ask him to help find find Will. Like, yeah. she goes in there. I know she's obviously like, I need to find my son. But there's no... She's not going through, like, any proper channel. She just storms in there because she knows he's going to listen to her because that's mm-hmm. what they do. Like, even if they I haven't think- spoken in so long, that's what he's going to do. He's going to listen to her because he's Hopper and she's Joyce and that's what they do. Exactly. And that's something that comes across quite well in season two as well with Bob Newby. When uh, Hopper is um, down in the tunnels... Um, that her son has lovingly created. They have that moment of hugging, and yeah, he just turns and goes, um, hi, Jim. Almost kind of letting it happen, that he's not holding it back. And even when um, they're trying to escape from the lab, you have that moment there as well, where he essentially says, look after... In some, I can't remember if that's an exact quote, but essentially says, look after her. Like he, you know, he's passing the torch, essentially. Oh, he is... It's interesting because obviously, like, Joyce stayed in Hawkins, Hopper went and fought in the war and then lived in New York, like, he lived in Brooklyn. Um, He sort of got out of Hawkins, essentially, and then obviously he finds his way back and they've both got shared... Shared, shared trauma that is literally yeah. what Murray says like about uh, Nancy and Jonathan but it's it's the same thing there is shared trauma there and the trauma is slightly different but then also they do experience it together and um, I think after the events of season two Hopper really accepts like okay my feelings for this woman are back he's always been very involved like obviously going to the lab with Will and like wanting to know these things and stuff um, but I think it's it's post season two where he's like, I want this to be a thing again. Whereas Joyce is very she, she's just trying to fight a potential relationship mm. because she knows they've got a good thing, but also they she knows what happened last time. Can we please head canon that he came back to Hawkins for her? Very much like the only reason she was staying in Hawkins was for him. <laughs> it's really, it's interesting that, like, obviously it's because it, it was his hometown and stuff, but yeah, he does go straight back there, you know? Hmm. And um, uh, he's pre- he is protective of her. He's protective of her. He clearly has these feelings and it it is really, their whole relationship is an interesting one. Um, and he's he feels ready to be with Joyce again, but she's been putting mm. it off. She's been putting it off, and she has been putting it off. And I think being with Bob really took him by surprise. I don't think he expected that at all. Doesn't he say as well? Very much like um, he says things about Bob. I'm sure he does. Right. Yeah, that he he's just surprised that they're working. But yeah. I don't know. I suppose in a weird sense. Maybe not as extreme. Bob is Joyce's 
this is going to sound weird, but Joyce is Steve, as in like Steve is to Nancy. The they they do work, but yeah. is that kind of Bob is very much that I don't want to like downgrade his character because Bob is wonderful. In Bob we trust. But to me though, the Bob's me, though, the kind of Bob's kind perfect, of perfect man. He brings round round puzzles for Will. Was like I thought he might enjoy doing this and that kind of thing. He's willing to just go along with it. Kind of how Steve came in with the bat and just knocked out a demogorgon, but. You know, it's it's the safe option, and Joyce, as a character, doesn't do safe. She doesn't, um, and I think if you look at the way that Hopper and Joyce are with their kids, I mean, Sarah, obviously, Hopper has, has lost his daughter, which I think is what makes him so determined to help find Will as well, because he knows mm. what that feels like, and he doesn't want Joyce to feel the pain that he felt. Yeah, I mean, we see flashbacks when he's trying to revive Will um, yeah. to Sarah, don't we, in the hospital bed? But then also it's interesting because like their children are their world, and they are very protective of those, um, mm. and they both are. They both. I mean, we see the way that John, the that Joyce is protecting her kids, and then mm. that's the way that Hopper is with Elle. And and Sarah, um, and you know we see that, and like they're both so happy with what their kids do. You know, we see Joyce putting Will's drawings on the on the fridge, and Hopper is literally wearing like Sarah's bracelet all the time, and then he gives it to Elle, and like yeah. there's such a personal connection that they have with their kids, and such an awareness that they have with their kids that mm. I don't think like Karen and Ted for example I don't think we see them have that as much no we read um someone wrote a literal essay on it yesterday it, yeah it was genuinely really good as well though um that of course though Karen and Ted care for them I think we mentioned this earlier as well of course oh, they do it said in there that Mike and Nancy would probably call up Joyce before they would call their mum the, and I think that tells a lot about that relationship there. Or Hopper, he would he would call he would call them. He would call the, yeah. one of those two first. They absolutely would. They're not, yeah. you know, that something happens. Their first thought is not let's call Karen Wheeler. No. <laughs> Their first thought is let's call Joyce or Hopper, and also that they know that they'll probably be together, which is an interesting one. I don't want to go too much into it because. Um, it, it, we'll do a whole episode at some point on theories and stuff but like my first point is that they were absolutely that couple in high school like you just know what type of couple they were and they were that couple and secondly oh, yeah. there is a very huge theory that I want and lots of other people want that Jonathan is actually Hopper's son um, which is a big fandom theory I would not be mad if that was the I case. <laughs> also not be mad, and I'd love to know people's thoughts on that mm. whole situation. So before mm. we wrap this up, there's just a couple of other adults just to... Pepper in. Pepper in. Um, we've spoken a lot about Karen and Ted. We've spoken, you know, a lot about how they are, about appearances and... Um, how they sort of it's a house rather than a home and they're not necessarily involved with their kids life not sort of I think Karen has a turning point after she debates having an affair with Billy mm. of I need I to be better I think I said yesterday when we we're talking about it that 
the Karen we see toward after that moment is kind of the Karen we see at the end of season one, or after, I suppose, Mike walks in in tears because he's just found Will <laughs> in the quarry, essentially. And it was nice to see that, I don't want to say throwback, because it's not that long ago, but that nice little uh, callback to that with her character again. Yeah, and I think sort of when she sees Holly and Ted and she has that moment and then obviously she helps Nancy and like there's, she has, she also has growth in that. I mean, I I hate the whole Karen and Billy storyline, like, because I also have not had full confirmation that he was not still a child mm. at that point, which I hate very much. Um, but I do think past that she does grow a lot. Um, yeah. which I like. I also think that they're an interesting one because they believe what they are told. So they mm. don't listen to Mike saying that Elle is not a spy. They believe mm. what they're being told and they're kind of thinking it's a bit weird, but they're not really like looking too much into it. They're not sort of mm. reading between the lines. They're like, Mike, you harboured a Russian spy. You are, this is wrong. Like she was a spy. Um, but Ted is very much a, you could tell he was a very sort of like anti-Russia person mm. anyway. Um, whereas that's so different with like Joyce and Hopper, like they read between the lines, want to know more, want to be involved. Even like Claudia Henderson wants to be involved. Yeah, I mean, as soon as Dustin gets back in, I think it's from the trick or treating, even though he's carrying dart. In his thing, yeah. she's asking, oh, how was it? How was this? How was that? Yeah. And then also, like, Ted, when Dustin comes to the door and he's like, our, our, our children don't live here anymore. Like, he doesn't know where they are. And I think that's actually very telling if you think about it, that do we presume then the last time, at least for... Let's talk about Mike just for a moment. Obviously, they had to know that he was going to Will's. But there's been quite a gap between mm. that. Was he calling every night and being like, yeah, I'm still at Will's? Or was yeah. it just like one moment was like, oh, I'm going out? Because. Yeah. They just don't seem as like aware. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, speaking of being not so aware, well, I guess in this case, being aware, Murray Bellman. He is an interesting one to look at. I think, in a strange way, there is almost a whole podcast on his character alone. <laughs> We know nothing no. about him. We actually don't, do we? There is nothing no. we know about him, really. We know that he lived just outside of Hawkins and far, far enough that Joyce and Hopper need to steal a car <laughs> to get there. Mm. Um, that we know he can speak Russian. Which I find very interesting. Very interesting mm. that in the season in which Russia became a big thing... Hmm. And the Russians became a big thing. We find out that he can speak Russian. Yeah. We know that for some reason he is researching the lab. And that he thinks that Elle is a spy, I believe. And is only told otherwise because Nancy and Jonathan come in and go, we have the real details. Yeah. Um, it's also like, has he been there this whole time? Like, just like looking in, like, or was it Barb's case that made him aware? Um, mm. We also, for those that have seen the phone call post season three, mm. where it suggests that him and Joyce know about 
Popper not being dead, um, how does he? How does he know? Do, um, you know, like, did did Joyce? Was it Joyce's idea? Does Joyce think so, or did Alexi tell him things mm. off camera that we didn't see? There is that moment where he's alive, right? And mm. Murray is sitting with the body. So things could happen in that moment because we noticed yesterday rewatching the death of Hopper. Uh, as a disclaimer, I did not watch the death of Hopper because I'm still emotionally fragile. Emily was the one that watched it and took one for the team. Um, that um, Joyce actually, and we should have taken this as a hint really that he wasn't dead. Joyce never sees it happen. The, she makes a point of looking away and doing it. And then even when the flashing light happens as I think the machine's doing whatever, she's then covering her face and looking away still again. And that leave or left Hopper the perfect time to go away and jump through the portal, I guess, so to speak. Because it also the show also makes a point of showing the human goo on the ground for the soldiers that come in but we never see that for hopper so i wonder if that then was joyce's idea that maybe this is worth looking into because we were talking about the idea of that if she knows then because you brought it up why didn't she tell l but but then obviously they're kids and she's not certain so exactly and where l was lost her powers it could have been a case of, would it be bad for Elle then, where she feels like, well, I can't even look for him, I know he's alive, and it would have spiralled her, so to speak. But, yeah, I, with Murray, I would, I think if he became a villain, so to speak, in the next season, or season five, I think it would be enough of a shock to surprise people, but not at the same time. Agreed. Yeah, I agree. So there's one, one more, one more adult, and then we're wrapping it up. And this is everyone's favorite science teacher, Mr. Clark. Again, don't really know too much about him other than the fact that he's a bit amazing, and I love him. Yeah, he puts holes through plates. <laughs> That's what he does. He, but I reckon he knows more than he lets on, mm. and I reckon he's sort of just chilling. Um, he's helped too many of them for random things. Yeah, I mean, he with Joyce, he willingly trusts her talking about the magnets and what would it take for the, a magnet to do this? And he just kind of goes, well, in my knowledge, this is the case and that kind of thing. And Dustin calls him and sees him and like, how do I make a sentry deprivation tank? What 12-year-old yeah, needs to know how to make a sentry deprivation tank? And then he knows that the people he's helping are connected. I love him. I hope he keeps like playing a part and maybe like becomes the high school teacher or I just don't want him to suddenly appear wherever Will and Elle are. That's my one thing. I don't want him to pop up and be like, I'm teaching you science now. <laughs> he can do whatever anything else. This I just, is Mike's I cousin? But... Honestly, yeah. Why is Mike's cousin now friends with Will? <laughs> Why has Joyce adopted Mike's cousin? But yeah, the teens and the adults of Stranger Things, a lot to say. Um, Maybe even an accidental bit of a shipping discussion there. 
between Joyce and Alma. Um, who are your, who is your favorite? We'll leave it on. Who who are your favorite? Who's your favorite teen? Who's your favorite adult? I I do like Steve. I feel like that's the most predictable answer, but I do like Steve, and I think it's got to be Joyce. Mine's the same, I think. But yes, who are your who are your favorites? I Let mean, us know. yes, we have a YouTube channel now, which is all up and running. Um, YouTube doesn't let us upload the full things via video yet, which is annoying. Um, but the first like fifteen minutes of every video goes live on the same day as the full one. So if you do want to leave comments on our YouTube channel, you can go over to that, uh, which is literally the the channel is just Hawkins Do Copy, um, and you can come and watch the first 15 minutes and leave some comments and discussions that would be great to see some of your opinions on there as well that would be very good thank you so much for listening to us we hope you enjoyed this episode you can check out all the rest of our podcasts on our spotify so hawkins do copy we're also on itunes and Google podcasts google podcasts as well it's very exciting we're on platform youtube <laughs> And our Twitter and our Instagram, all of those accounts, Hawkins, either at Hawkins Podcast or Hawkins Do Copy. And we will speak to you next time. We will do. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Bye.